for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Good to see everyone. And thank you. Who said that? Sandy. (laughs) Good to see you too, Sandy. It is good to see everyone. And uh, those who are first time here, uh, we're especially glad to see you. We won't embarrass you, but it's good to see you. Um, over this, uh, well, let me, let me begin at the beginning. Did anybody see the speech of uh, Theresa May, where, uh, the Dancing Queen? I don't know about you, but I was just slightly embarrassed, and I wasn't, do- <laughs> I wasn't doing the dance. <laughs> I was thinking, oh no, please, please don't. So I'm not going to go up and dance this morning. Uh, and do some sort of intro to make uh, me look cool. Um, I often think politicians don't know how to do public speaking. You just feel like you're talking to a robot. No matter what your persuasion is, there's very few of them who can actually communicate. But this uh, year, we've been communicating, communicating on different subjects. And each month, we have taken a different subject and uh, explored and d- uh, uh, dug into that subject in the few weeks that we have in any one particular month. So we've looked at subjects like the Bible. We've looked at subjects like growth. We've looked at the subject of time, the topic of choices, and church, and encouragement, and prayer. Um, And this uh, month, we're going to look at a subject which, uh, and I'm going to show you in a minute, you uh, think quite a bit of. Um, but often we do not talk about, and that subject is money. And some chins drop when you mention the word uh, money. But this week, this month, we're going to look at, in different ways, with different people, we're going to look at the subject of money. But first of all, let's just read some verses. Uh, I'm not going to Malachi. I'm reading some other verses uh, that talk about money, about giving, and so forth. So the first uh, few verses are going to be up on the screen, and they're going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 9, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, we're going to read verse 6 through to verse 15. If I can get the right chapter, yeah. But this I say, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let what each one give as he purposes in his heart or her heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work." And then we're going to read uh, some verses from Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the talents. Uh, And we've looked at this before. Parable of the talents, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, not other people's servants, his own servants, and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. 
And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and he dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of these servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came. Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked you lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who's got ten talents. To, for everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Ba-dum. Isn't that a sort of like the spotlight suddenly is on each one of us? Good servant, bad servant. They tell me, uh, according to statistics, that 50% of our waking time is taken up by thinking and arguing about money. <laughs> of our minds and our thinking time, they say, is uh, taken up with the subject of money. How to earn it, spend it, get it, invest it, borrow it, (laughs) find it. Uh, Maybe for you it's less than 50%. Maybe for for some of you it seems more than 50% at certain times of the month. Because maybe you're at a stage in life where you need money desperately. In fact, a recent survey says that with married couples... 48% of all arguments is about money. 48, virtually every other argument is about money. And 60% of those arguments are arguments about how the money is spent or not spent. 20% of married partners say they have spent over £400 on an item without their partner knowing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you don't, and you don't know it yet, do you? Uh, 20%. Uh, 6%, wait for this one, 6% have a secret bank account. Sort of me money or she money put to one side just, uh, just in case, you know. Uh, 6% of us, uh, not 6% here, but 6% in general have a secret bank account. Sometimes it's worse than that. Sometimes loans are taken out without even the partner knowing about the loan. Sometimes credit cards are maxed up, thinking of Christmas coming. 
credit cards maxed up without the other partner knowing anything (laughs) about it. And these are just some of the reasons why it's important in church to talk about money. I often think the church in general is hopeless talking about money. I, I really do. I think it's often hopeless. I think that sometimes churches preach on money because of the church roof or the church bus or the church new building or the church whatever it is that the church needs at any one particular time. And I've always shied away from preaching on giving because the Freedom Center needs money. I don't think that's a good principle. We're all, you know, we're all going down to Swanee. Can we, can we just give a little bit more? I don't believe that's the kingdom way. And so I've always shied away from that. I've always tended to teach on giving as I look back, not because the church needed more money, but because our people needed more money. And I needed more money, but not through the church. You understand? Because we needed more money. When the church began, we began with a bunch of students. (laughs) And you know what I'm going to say there. Students always need money. Uh, Later it was these students in general became young couples, getting married, buying a house, paying the mortgage, and they needed more money. Then those young couples began to have families, and they had uh, less salaries coming in, and that meant they needed more money. And I have absolutely no problem with people saying they want or need more money. I have absolutely no problem with that. Some people would preach against money as if it's some sort of evil invention that we shouldn't play any part with. We shouldn't touch it. It's dirty. But money is amoral. You can do good things with money. You can do bad things with money. Jesus had a treasurer. Jesus had a community account, a bag where they put money in. So when the temple tax needed to be paid, the money was found. One time it was even found from a fish's mouth. And sometimes that's how God supplies money to you, supernaturally. You don't have what you need to pay. And somehow, some way, and we've experienced this over and over and over, which gives me confidence to talk about money, over and over and over again, God has provided because he's Jehovah Jireh. So if you ask me, do I think God wants you to have more money? My answer invariably would be yes, he does. In saying that, I also believe God wants us to handle our money better. And the Bible, and I've told you this many times, gives vast amount of teaching on money. Maybe a surprise to some of us, it won't be to others, that in the Bible there's 277 verses on believing God. There's 340 verses on prayer. There's 518 verses on love. But on giving and on money, there's 1,439 verses. So whilst churches don't handle money well, whilst churches don't teach about money well, God teaches well about money and about giving and about finances. Because we as church leaders love to preach on believing God and prayer to God and loving God and loving one another. But often as churches, we are silent about money. Maybe it's the British thing. We're just a little bit embarrassed. We looked at this before, but our nation is not good with debt. Uh, Some of you maybe remember I put on the screen one time uh, the the ticking counter 
of the way the UK is racking up debt. So we actually, as a nation, are trillions in debt. We are 2.1 trillion. I looked at the clock this morning, the ticking clock with the, not the clock, the counter, and it's still going round like a rapid rate. Then I thought to myself, well, let's have a look at, we're in 2.1. What's the United States? 25 trillion in debt. France, 2.3 trillion in debt. Germany, 2 trillion in debt. Actually, the ones I looked at, Germany was the only one, but it was just slightly going down. Like, like, almost like a few quid going down. And Spain, 1.7 trillion in debt. Generally speaking, all over the world, nations are in debt. I think last time, if I remember rightly, Norway was the only country that didn't have that debt. In fact, they had money in credit because they are good with money. So the oil resources, I feel like I'm giving you a party political, but the oil resources that Norway, Norway has, they haven't been spending it. They've been, in a sense, hoarding it for the, for, for the future generations. But as families and as individuals, often we're not good with money. We are more in debt than we are in credit. As a nation, as families, as individuals, we are, generally speaking, more in debt than we are in credit. <clears throat> and I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our education system, and I don't know whether they do it now, but they certainly didn't do it in my time, and I don't think they've done it when our children were, I could say when our children were alive, <laughs> when our children were younger, uh, 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 is nobody at school or college or university ever lectured for one moment on money management. No, you, you just weren't taught about it. And so you sort of inherited either a spendthrift attitude or, or a spending attitude or spending emotionally or finding it difficult to spend and, and depending on your background and your makeup or whatever. But we have never been caught, uh, taught good stewardship of money. So much of the pain, much of the arguments that we as a nation, we as families, we as a church, we as individuals go through is because we've never been taught well about money, about spending habits and decisions. To me, that 50% could be vastly reduced if there was some education when we were younger. So if you're a parent and you've got little ones or older ones, teach your children about money. Because if you don't, life will teach them. Oh, trust me. Life will teach you about money if you don't uh, pick up that subject. So the subject this morning I want to look at is your money or God's money, which is quite uh, an inflammatory statement. Your money or God's money. When you uh, take a loan out for something, a mortgage or or a car or whatever, and you go to, say, um, Barclays Bank, (laughs) you go to Barclays Bank or wherever you go for applying for the loan, and finally that glad day when you pass the the test, the, the the financial test, and the money lands in your account, and it's there in your current account. Whose money is it? It's in your account. It's yours, or is it? 
The fact is, you've been given stewardship of that money, <laughs> uh, of Barclays money, and it's not yours, let me tell you, until you have repaid every penny of it with interest. So if you take the 5000 and you buy something or you invest it as you see fit, you either sow the money and buy something that increases in value, or you eat that money, seed money if you like, of 5000 and you maybe buy something that depreciates in value. One is something perhaps that you need, the other something that you want. I mean, I'm talking very generally now. There's a big difference between what you need and what you want. <laughs> we live near a farmer, and you should see what some farmers drive around in. <laughs> really, you should see what they drive around in. Often their vehicles or their tractors, their cars, are just about hanging together. Really, with bits of string. We have some, the farmer near us, he's got a fence up against our land. And I've never seen a fencing contractor. He just sees a bit of a hole, he just sort of fiddles around, makes do, makes good, and, and away you go. Because his attention is not on something that's going to depreciate. His intention is on something different, something that will appreciate so instead of buying flashy cars with his money, what he does is he goes and buys seed. And he gets some seed so that he can plant it, so that he can give it to the animals. Why would you put good seed in soil where it dies? Why would you put seed into an animal where it does what it does with the seed? Why would you do that? It's because he's being a good steward. He's smart because he's sacrificing his seed today for a harvest tomorrow. He's literally planting his seed in good soil. And although there's obvious exemptions to the rule, try and invest your money in what will give you a return. Because in doing that, you're being a good steward. So in saying that, I'm answering really the question of our title. Whose money is it? Your money or God's money? The answer, just like the Barclays loan is, it's God's money given and invested in you. But in another way, it's your money too. Anyway, we'll go into that later. We are literally stewards of God's money. So the parable of the ten talents, we see God's very interested in what we do with the resources he's given us. I say resources because Money is one resource, but there's other resources he's given us. If you're married, your partner is a resource he's given you. So just as I'm preaching about money this month, it would be equally right to say that the other gifts he's given you, be a good steward of them too. Your job. Be the best employee, your career, your children, your home are all investments that he's made in us, and one day, Christian, he will require a report of each one of us, money, partner, relatives, friendships, home, everything. He, all the things he's given us, he's going to require a report. Remember, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven. So that is a kingdom principle. So when you start to see that we're stewards, 
We're managers, if you like. Not, when I say a steward, you, you often think of somebody at the, the theatre who's directing. <laughs> I mean a manager, an administrator of God's resources. He wants to see a prophet. Prophet's not a dirty word. And it's prophet that God wants from my life, and it's prophet God wants from your life. You are not a mistake. God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And he wants a return. Remember, I always say God's a business person. He invests, and he wants a return. He wants a return from us. Why? Because it's good for him, but also it's good for you. Misers invariably create miserable situations and miserable people. That's why the word miserable is miser-able. <laughs> and most people I've ever met who are misers are miserable, miserable. God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, God says givers attract his grace Uh, Verse 8, 2 Corinthians 9, And God is able to make all grace, all favor, abound towards you, that you, Paul says, always having sufficiency in all things, all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God wants you to have sufficient. He also wants you to have abundance. Why? Why does he want us to have abundance in various ways in our lives? Because he wants us to do good works with that abundance. Good works cost money. (laughs) They do. Good works cost money. The Bible says money answereth all things. And good works cost So verse 11 says, you are enriched in everything for all liberality. So I'm going to enrich you, God says, so that you can be liberal. See, God doesn't just want to get money to you. He wants to get money through you. He has all the resources that we can imagine. What he's looking for is good pipelines, good channels, so that he can channel, so he can put through a pipe the resources that he wants to put through each one of us, your money or God's money. Because when you became a Christian, when you became a disciple, a radical disciple, you sold out everything to him. Everything. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, blah, blah, blah. We sold out everything. And we became bankrupt. Why did we become bankrupt? Because because we were bankrupt. Not financially. Maybe not. But we were bankrupt. Because bankruptcy is when you cannot meet your commitments. God demanded holiness. I don't have any holiness to give him. He demanded sinlessness, but we are a sinful people, bankrupt. God demanded righteousness, but we were unrighteous. You see, as, a, as the created, the creator has, uh, we have commitments to make to our creator but we cannot meet our commitments. 
And so if you cannot meet your commitments month after month, year after year after year, what happens eventually is you go bankrupt. And we as Christians, uh, sorry, as non-Christians, we're bankrupt. But now, in Christ, we have his riches. And you see, wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is learning what God's word has to say to you. And when you lose touch with God's word, as we have done as a, as a nation, and the nations, we think life is all about me. What I think, where I'll go, what I do, how I feel, what helps me, how I can benefit, what's in it for me. And the created has decided to reject the creator. And the result after doing all of that, what's the result? It's not more happiness. It's more suicides. It's more fear. It's more envy. It's more marriage breakups, where more than one in two marriages break up these days. More anger, more crime, more abortions, more misery, more debt. Two trillion in debt and ticking. We are bankrupt of any idea of what to do. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is, take stock and realize that everything you have been given is from God. Everything. 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 Your ability to think, to rationalize, your home, your partner, your children, your food. Everything is from God. That's the good news. Bad news is you're accountable for it. So the 5,000 from the Barclays Bank lands in the account. Oh, good times. Hang on a minute. I'm accountable for this 5,000. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to invest it? What's important? Have I got a strategy? Where am I going to sow it? We're accountable for it. And that's what I say of money is true of your home or your job or everything is from God. Your giftings, your talents. And he wants a profit. Doesn't make him a conservative, but he wants a profit. He wants a profit from our administration of his talents, which is fair enough. So is it our money or God's money? It's God's money, which he gives us the privilege to manage. That means where we spend our money, he's watching and he's interested in what we do with it, how we invest it, how we give it, how we save it, how we sow it. Is that because he wants us to be miserable, miserable, and not enjoy what he's given us? A thousand times, no. God's into good times. (laughs) In fact, he invented joy. All the things that we find difficult to talk about in church, God invented. Sex being one of them. (laughs) God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be joyful. He wants you to enjoy every good thing he has given you. But he wants you to increase every good thing 
he has given you. For your sake, for his sake, for others' sake. Because if you're not blessed, you can't bless anyone else. I'd love to help you. I just don't have it. Sorry. I'd love to be able to solve that problem, pay that debt. I just, don't, I just can't do it. Sorry. The answer is the money's not coming through us. But when we are blessed and we bless others, guess what happens? God says, I've got a pipeline. I've got a channel I can use. And God says, that person's a good steward. God says, that person's a good investment opportunity. That person's a good pipeline. So he says, according to Jesus' words, I'm going to give that steward more. And the one who's not handling his money properly, I'll, give, I'll take that and give it to somebody else. So the one with the five talents, talents doubled it to ten. And he gets the talent from the servant who hid it and didn't try and increase it. You'll never live a blessed life by making life all about you. It will not be a blessed life. You might have a lot of money, but it won't be a blessed life. Decide to make your life about investments. And the way to be blessed, according to God's word, is to take what he's giving you and sow it into the soil of his kingdom and wait and see the results. So next week, we're going to look at your money is your seed. And we'll see how and where and when God wants us to plant the seed. Should we give him everything? Should we give him a part? Should we, what should we do? And we'll see, as we look at that, that it's actually God who gives us the increase. The farmer can plant the seed. The farmer can sow the seed into the cattle. But unless God blesses it and gives the increase, nothing happens. But for this week, God's money or your money? The wonderful answer is, if we partner with God, our money is God's money. And God's money is our money. (laughs) Our money is God's money, and God's money is our money. Because we are in his inheritance. We are his sons and his daughters. We are, in a sense, his executive in this world. He wants to use me. He wants to use us to be the blessing that he himself wants to be. God is generous. He's a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Bible says. He is our provider. And misers are miserable. And givers are receivers. Did you notice in this parable that we read, uh, the five talents servant said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Do you notice that? And then the two talent servant said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. The one talent servant said something different. He said, Lord, I know you're a hard man. You see the difference? The five talent person says, Lord, you've given to me. You've invested in me. Everything you've given is from you. You understand? The two-talent person said the exact same. The one-talent person had a totally different attitude. He says, I know you're a hard man. I know you're a difficult man. 
there was a difference between the five, the two, and the one. The five and the two had their heart right. The one talent man had his heart all wrong. The two servants acknowledged it was God's money and put him first. The one servant decided to put his mind first and what he knew about himself and for himself, he put that first. And so two were joyful and one was miserable. It's amazing how we treat money. That's why God, that's why the Bible, that's why Jesus taught more about money and about giving than anyone else because it's like the barometer of your heart. Not what you say, what you do. And the good news is, when his money becomes our money, and our money becomes his money, when we get to that, like, uh, like everything else in life, your money becomes his problem. You understand? So when you're uh, married and you have a joint bank account, if one of you is not handling that, <laughs> that account properly... Why is everybody looking at the other person? Um, uh, when you, <laughs> what happens is, you might have an argument. It might be one of these 50% arguments, 48% arguments, whatever it was. That's fine. But what happens is, you can't just say, nothing to do with me, Gov. You can't go down to the bank and say, nothing to do with me. Because what the bank will uh, legally say is, everything to do with you, Gov. Because your name is on that account. So if you're in debt this morning and you're honoring God with your finances, it's not just your problem, it's his problem. Isn't that wonderful? His name's on the account. His name's on the account. How are we going to make it through this month? How, what are we going to do? You're spending far too much. What are you doing? That credit card's been racked up and it's all your fault. Why do you need these clothes? Why do you need a new coat and new shoes, no trousers? You don't need them. You've got a coat. You've got trousers. You've got shoes. Why are the kids always wearing things through? Why are they always growing up? Something needs to stop around here. Can everybody just stop growing? <laughs> you understand? I remember the last dog we had. I said, this dog's always ill. Why do we always have to go to the vet? It's always ill. Too much money getting spent around here. And what we don't realize is that when we honor God with our finances, when we give to God what's God's, my problem becomes his problem. And forever, usually one in a married couple is the one who does the accounts. And that person is usually the bad guy. <laughs> because <laughs> that's the person that says we can't have it sorry we can't have it and that person almost feels the pressure of the burden of keeping everybody happy and that's often how people go into debt but when you learn the lesson of giving to God what's God's then what happens is my problem the person who writes the checks problem, the person who worries is there enough coming into the home, their problem becomes his problem. That's the good news about money. But we need to learn to be good stewards, good administrators, giving God what is his, loving him, sacrificing. And next week we'll look at sowing that money. 
putting money where you have no control over it, putting money in the, in the soil of life and thinking, what have I just done? Have you ever given a gift and you've given it, say, to the church or whatever, and you're given that gift and you walk away and you think, what have I just done? What have I just done? I've never now given them control of something that's very precious to me. Maybe that happens every month of the year, I don't know. And I, I, that can often happen, particularly to a Scotsman. I think I've just, I've just, just what have I just done? I've just given, and you maybe make a, maybe make a particular, it's not your tithe or it's not anything particular, but you give some money away. And you think, what have I just done? I can't get it back. I can't spend it. I can't save it. They've got it. You see, even that money, God says, if I told you to give it, that money will prosper. I will bless it because we are in a partnership. We're together in this. And yes, you might have brought a whole load of debt to a relationship, God says. Just like some of us brought a whole load of debt to our marriage. You know, the person wakes up in the honeymoon and says, let me just see your bank account. Whoa! What have you been doing? <laughs> what have you been doing? How much was that wedding dress? You understand? But what's happened is, their debt is now my debt. And I'm responsible for it. In sickness and in health. <laughs> in, what's the next word? In, basically in poverty or riches. <laughs> Good times, bad times. Uh, when the credit, credit card bill comes in and when it doesn't come in. Do you understand? We're, we're now together. Well, God says we're now together. We are now together. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And whatever debts you brought into this relationship with me, spiritual debts, emotional debts, financial debts, whatever you want to name, God says it's you and me now. That's the beauty of inviting Christ into your life. That's the beauty of having a personal relationship with Jesus. The truth is, most Christians don't realize it because they're still operating, I need to get through this. I'm going to have to worry my way through this. I'm going to have to strive my way through this. I'm going to have to argue my way through this. And God says, you don't need to do any of these things. Yes, you need to be prudent. Yes, you need to sow. Yes, you need to invest. Yes, you need to make a profit. But we're doing this together. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your word to us this morning. I thank you, you are Jehovah Jireh. You're a good, good God. We sing you're a good, good father. And what good father does not provide for his children? What good father does not help a child when they get into a mess? What good father doesn't discipline? When you're a good father, as you are God, you come into our lives, you partner with us, you help us, you rescue us. Yes, you invest in us. Thank you for your investments. We look around this building, Father, your investment in us. Look around the equipment, look around the building itself, the chairs, the cafe the furniture, everything paid for because you're a good, good father, a good Lord. Everything we enjoy here, the electricity, the heating, 
Everything is because you're a good, good father. No good thing will I withhold from you. And if you're worried about debt this morning, or you've got a bill that arrives on your doorstep that you just can't easily just write a check for, go to God with it when you pray and say, you know, Lord, you've got some mail. This is yours. You know, God, we've got a problem. You know, God, we can't make our commitments. You know, God, we're hungry. You know, God, I'm worried about this repair. You know, God, we need to do this. You know, God, I haven't had a holiday for five years. You know, whatever you know God is, say to him, Father, this is yours. This is yours. I'm passing on the burden. I'm passing on the responsibility of trying to make something happen that doesn't seem to be happening because I recognize, finally, Lord, it's you that gives the increase. So I pray increase over every family in this church, Lord. Increase. Above all and beyond everything they could ever ask or think. When their good ideas have come to an end. When their planning is unplanned. When their strategy hasn't worked out. When they've done wrong. When they've gone astray. When they've spent emotionally. Whatever it is, Lord Jesus we hand it to you. We give it to you, Lord. Next, next month's rent, next month's mortgage, gas bill, electric bill, water bill, council tax. All the different things are like missiles coming from the enemy. Lord, you've got mail because it's your money that we're handling. So speak into our lives, Lord. Encourage us. Build us up. Bless us. Because we want to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about our church, or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.